you out of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is the lost and found section of the Bible. It's got the prodigal son story in it. It's got the lost sheep in it. And, and I want to talk to you especially out of a parable uh, uh, that Jesus tells of a woman and 10 coins. It's from verse 8. It says this, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. I just want to pause there for a moment. Uh, production, thank you. Uh, I have found, can you guys go back? Is it off the screens? Thank you. I have found the peace that I lost. I want to take a moment to emphasize that part of the scripture. Um, I want to talk to you about what peace you're missing. And I want to talk to you about getting things out of your way that you think are in your way from living fully the life that God had intended for you. When I was at uh, Varsity, um, which was really a long time ago, we used to make our notes not on iPad tablets, but on tablets of stone. Um, so, I mean, it really, I'll tell you how long ago I was at Varsity. Um, you guys store memory now. In the, on the cloud, right? Uh, but prior to that, it was probably flash drives. And prior to that, it was hard drives or, 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 or disks. And in my era, it was floppy disks. Now, you guys don't remember floppy disks. You guys, some, some of you do? Little square, no, 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 bigger than that. Square guy. 1.44 kilobytes of memory. Like, literally not enough to boot your watch. Um, but we could store that much. And in my class was a very enthusiastic student. And um, at the end of the year, all of their work was lost because they saved it on the floppy drive and then they punched it um, and put it in a file. Um, so it had two holes. Oh, when I said punch, you didn't even know what that was. Not punch, made two holes and added it to the folder. And then when they had to submit at the end of the year, the drive would, wouldn't... Spin and actually, I don't know. I don't know if doc, the doctor, who was my lecturer, a lady, became a professor there. She used to keep it on a notice board, like "Don't do this." But the point I wanted to make is that for a lot of my academic life, um, my the the overriding question was, "What do I need to pass?" That was the overriding question. Like, I wasn't amongst the people who operated in the like distinction category. Those are people who get very upset if they get 89 because it's only one mark from 90 and they know the lecturer well enough to go to their house and make a case for their 1%. Okay, let me tell you about that story that is not me. 90 wasn't in reach even under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So that wasn't if I had contacted my lecturer, the first they would have said, who are you? But secondly, they would have said, you know you're not close to 90. Why are you here fighting for your 27 points you need to get to 90? The second thing is I would not have had my lecturer's number. I just want you to know I wasn't one of those students who had 
lecturer's number. And the third thing about me is that I wouldn't have gone and fought for a point in case the 89 was a mistake. And then it comes down some more. Like, I was not confident that I could fight for my 89. Just so like, you're quite right, actually, you were a 67. I'm like, yeah, never mind. I'm just going to take my, I'm just going to take my 89 and go home. But there was this constant, like, what's the minimum requirement you need? to pass. This story, this parable in the Bible suggests that any life less than 100% should cause us to search. That's the story. The story is, you can't say, but I have nine out of 10, so that's a pass. You should say, but I had 10, and I want to keep everything that I had. And that's a spiritual journey, the spiritual journey of the, journey of the idea that I shouldn't accept a continuous compromise or devalue of my life. And hopefully, by the end of my life, I'm still at least at the 40, 50, and it's possible. No, instead, the story is about, the parable is about even a lost thing that's valuable. If it's valuable, you should, you should search for it. And this morning we, we talked about another story, the, the woman who was caught in adultery and, and how Christ restored her. But this passage of Scripture talks about a woman who uh, uh, turns on the light and sweeps the house and finds it and then rejoices. So it's clearly a spiritual thing. You don't inform your neighbor that you lost money and found it again. That, that's just... I mean, there are some people who will do that, but try not to do that. Not as you don't inform your neighbor, you just flex on Instagram. But you wouldn't have done that for a coin. So it's clearly symbolic. The same as the prodigal son was symbolic and the same as, as the, um, uh, the lost sheep and, and leaving the 99 to fetch the one. It's this idea of turning the light on in your life that uh, I, I want to talk to you about. You know, um, I'm quite embarrassed to tell the story and, and please don't ask me to prove it after the service. Uh, because it is an embarrassing story to me personally. And I can prove it under duress, but please don't ask me to. Uh, recently, um, I moved a couple of items around uh, in my home, just a little furniture change, painted the walls. I wanted to get out of pandemic mindset. Like I felt like two years of seeing the walls and the furniture the same. Things needed to move around. Now, I've accumulated enough furniture to be able to move things from storage, and I don't have to buy anything. I just sort of move it around. Except... Um, I, I, I went to bed and in the middle of the night, I woke up and I, I, was, I needed a little bit of water and I forgot um, that everything was different. And, I, you know, I don't need to turn the light on, to be honest, because I kind of know where you know, stuff is in my house, except, except that night. And I hit, I hit this big toe um, so badly. I'm, I'm not even joking. I don't, if you're a medical person, you could assist me here, but it's gone completely black underneath the nail. Completely like putting shoes on is a tender process. Like not a pleasant, like I like touch it and it, I don't know, it oozes. So, and I, it's just like three o'clock in the morning and it was like these solid uh, pieces of furniture, you know, there's like a leather thing with a, like a trommel. I don't know what the English word is, a kist or something. And I, I hit that thing so hard that I felt nauseous for a few seconds. I don't know if, have you ever, have you ever been in so much pain that your immediate response is, I think I'm going to throw up now. And then we'll discuss what happened after the, like, I think that's what I'm going to do right now. And instead, 
I went into a calmness and immediately just thanked Jesus that I must surely be really saved because no swear words came out of my life. And I want you to know that I live on my own, so nobody would have judged me, not even, like, there would have been no judgment if I had just proceeded with a rebuke. But it was so, so, so. The, the, the next day, I'm in my now famous Birkenstocks that I talked about the other day, the whole day, because the tone needed to breathe. And I'm quite sure at this point, I'm going to become sort of, I don't know, the nine-toed preacher. But I'm, I'm concerned about it. But there is a point to the story. And the point of the story is that uh, the devil will move the stuff around in your life enough that if you're not willing to turn the light on, you're going to hurt. You're absolutely going to hurt. You simply can't go through life trying to work it out in the dark. That's the gospel. And the point of the gospel being light is that it it is not a burden. Light isn't a burden. You know, when you turn the light on, you don't say, well, the light is a burden. You look at things and you go, well, that's a mess. But it's not the light's fault that something's a mess. Now, some people prefer not to turn the light on. I've seen these people at ATMs. I very seldom go to ATMs. Now, I really see no point in actual cash. But I, I, I see people at the ATM. They press the button and they get the little report and I can tell who doesn't want the light. They get that piece of paper and in one action, it's in the, they look at it, they don't want to know, they don't want to see the little red minus sign. It's just one continuous action. In there. Now that doesn't change anything. A lot of people are living their lives blind, refuse to look in the dark, and then they say, well, religion is a problem. Well, faith is not a problem. Faith is the light. Stuff in our lives are exposed by the light, but we should rejoice in seeing how the lay of the land is so that we can walk by faith and live out our lives with fullness of expectation and joy. And therefore, I'd rather be in the light than be in the dark. Uh, I I often tell these NMU stories in the evening for some reason. Uh, In production, I'm going to do three different points to the ones on your your screen, so don't stress. They're going to be looking for notes that aren't there then. So um, when I was at university doing a BCom, um, I was perhaps... Uh, too enthusiastic as an evangelist, like to tell people about the gospel. And I lived in Rez, in a Rez uh, at NMU called Xanadu. Any Xanadu people or been to Xanadu know? Some of you, oh, a couple of you, Xanadu people. Yeah, very uh, interesting place. Uh, I was in Xanadu and there's a, there, there are concrete walkways to the classes. So I'd go out really early in the morning and I would write uh, in chalk on the pathways, something from the Bible. But I was aggro in those days. Eh? Like the real, I was a real turn and burn type. Like, where do you think you're going? To hell, you know? Like, <laughs> I'd, put, I'd put the first sentence on the path and then hell down there. And it was a whole thing, funny, funny. Um, but one of the most impactful, I think, one of the most impactful statements was to pose the question, which is worse, a child afraid of the dark or a man afraid of the light? And I still think that's very impactful 
Because the Bible says men love their wicked deeds and so they reject the light. And so we, we assume that the light has made our lives burdensome. Faith, Christianity, whatever you want to call it, has made our lives burdensome. But it hasn't. It's just shown us, it's shown us the state of things. And, and I want to um, encourage you that uh, a true faith is not a to-do list. It is, it is shedding light in a dark place so you can find your true value. You don't know what something is worth until you hold it up to the light. How many of you remember when um, you first discovered that currency had a watermark? Uh, so if you've got a, a, a money, paper money, um, I, I, for some reason I thought of that silly TikTok song when I said paper money. My, you know, don't jingle, jingle. I know, and I'm sorry. Why are you guys doing the dance though? You're all repenting afterwards. And I, I, I know you're, you're, you're surprised that I, I would know that. But uh, how many of you remember uh, first discovering that to, to prove if something is genuine or fake uh, in money, you hold it up to the? You've been hearing the gospel your whole life. If you want to see if something's genuine, you want to see if your life's legit, you hold it up to the? It's not that hard. See, does it, you know, does, does your relationship hold up to the light? Does your finance hold up to the light? Does your heart hold up to the light? Because the wickedness of the world makes us hard in darkness. Hey, and so um, anytime you're not proud of something, what do you do? Well, you hide it. And... Um, and I think uh, one of the most powerful things about the true gospel is I'm excited to hold something to the light because then it's genuine and the genuineness of something gives it value. Uh, if something is not genuine, then it really doesn't matter what it looks like. It's got zero value. It's not genuine. And if we're going to stick to TikTok stories, how much fun is it when guys try to measure how genuine their diamonds and gold are and then only to find out like... <laughs> Uh, not just the teeth are fake, but everything is fake. So it's just so bad. So did I say that out loud? So what then should the light reveal? And these are my three uh, brief points for tonight about this. Um, first of all, uh, what the light does for us, according to Scripture, is that it, it deals with our guilt, it deals with our guilt. You know, one of the most powerful uh, things that hold you back, you know, this piece that's missing in your life, it, it, it is uh, uh, what happens when you have condemnation on your life. You will always feel like something is missing. So condemnation is guilt on things you can do nothing about. I mean, if you can do something about it, you would go and you would try and fix it. But uh, as you move through life's journey, uh, you start to experience a, con a condemned life, a heart. And one of the most difficult things to overcome, in fact, the Bible tells us it can't be overcome without God, is a sense of guilt. You, and, and you know, guilt isn't only for doing bad things. I know rich people who feel guilty because they're rich. And they're aware that the world is a broken place and there are a lot of poor people. So their wealth is like a judgment. It makes them feel guilty. Uh, 
you've probably had a relationship or two where you were the bad guy. And you kind of just carry that. And maybe you've disrespected somebody who's only shown you respect. Maybe you've mistreated. And so a guilty, a, a condemned conscience is, is a missing piece in your life. Where do you find, I mean, you, you can't go to the shops and buy a new conscience. But you can go to the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, and ask him to renew and restore your conscience. I think that you can do. That's the gospel. So we, we come to him with our condemnation and then we hear him say that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. The light comes on in the era of our condemnation and our guilt. It's one of the coins missing in your life and it's why your value for living abundantly is missing. Um, the, the second thing is uh, that, is, you know, sometimes um, part of the missing ingredient in our lives is a heavy heart. I watched this whole interview um, a day or two ago. Um, I, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to remember who, oh, maybe it was just like a simple old Dr. Phil thing or something. Could, could be. Anyway, the whole thing was um, the state of our, our hearts, our psyche and our mental health after the pandemic. And the point is simply this, that... Um, the world is a heavy place and our hearts can get very heavy. And maybe uh, you, you're not as joyful like a child. You know, a childlike faith, they don't have the weight of the world on their shoulders yet. You know, they're like just enjoying each day for each day. Your heart gets heavy over time. Uh, things don't always work out as you had hoped. And, uh, you know, maybe there's delayed Hope, the Bible says deferred hope is like sickness to the bones. You want to have a child, you can't. You want to start a business that isn't working out. You want her to phone you back and she won't. Um, delayed, delayed expectation. Like, by the way, if after like eight WhatsApps, you've been blue ticked, you, you sort of need to move on or you're going to go to jail. So it's just... <laughs> but your heart gets heavy. Or you have the opposite thing going on, like um, so many young people I've spoken to, oh, I had the perfect person, but I was the jerk and I've lost the perfect person. This unsolvable conundrum, heavy heart. Heavy heart. You need to turn the light on, let the gospel come in and heal your broken heart. And that's something no one else can do, guaranteed. You can't drink your heart to healing. You can't let somebody else's love heal you because it's not their responsibility to be your doctor. You can't, you can't medicate it and you, and you, can't, you can't deny it. Um, uh, Jesus Christ, the light, fixes men's hearts. In fact, um, perhaps the most useful coin um, in other words, something of value is when a human being has a healed heart. Because um, it doesn't matter what else you have in your life. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you guys watch that really great um, motivational thing about money, that it can buy you a bed but not sleep. That's cool, right? 
It's this really powerful motivation of the asset it can buy you, but it can't buy you the emotion that asset should. So money can buy you a house, but not buy you a home. Money can buy you a bed, but not buy you sleep. The sleep comes from a condition of the heart. Rest, you know. The gospel does that. That's why even when you don't have, you know, the Bible says, uh, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Even if you don't have the asset of a good bed, you can still have good sleep because your heart's in a good place. And that's why Paul says, I've learned to be content whether I have much or very little because my contentment comes from a condition. My contentment does not come from an environment. And I guess that's what the gospel does. The gospel changes my condition, and over time, that'll change my environment. So I'm okay with that. And then, and then the third thing I think that uh, God does, um, this one of the coins. I guess I should do, maybe it would be fun to do like 10 coins and ascribe a value to them and find 10 qualities worth fighting for and worth keeping the lights on. I think it would be a great maybe college course or something. Uh, by the way, we're starting Alpha on... Wednesday this week, and uh, not only here, but also in our church in Jeffreys Bay, in our church in Cape Town, and there's a community of people growing, watching online, who are going to do it in Toti, on the KZN North Coast, in Mamsen Toti, so I think that's pretty cool, and um, and in, on the Garden Root City of George, there's a whole lot of things going on there. Um, I don't think there are enough churches in the world. I know some people want to shut us down. I don't think there are enough churches in the world. And I know that because there are lots of people with broken consciences and broken hearts, and they need a place uh, for the light to come on. That's you know, really what's needed. Um, but the third value that I, I think um, one has to turn the light on is character. Now, I know, I know, we've all heard a lot about character, but I want to talk to you about it from this point of view. This idea that your character is finite. In other words, I am what I am. I feel what I feel. The heart wants what the heart wants. I can't help it. Everything under that category is the devil moving furniture around. You're going to get hurt. I can't tell you how many people I have sat, sat with. I don't know if my English was good there. I can't tell you how many people I've sat with who, when they're younger, they tell me, well, I just, I just love them and I can't help it. And then they marry this person that they love and then, now I'm seeing them 20 years later because i got gray hair. Now I'm seeing them 20 years later and they're now telling me their heart wants and I'm in love with somebody else. And they married, but somebody else. And the reason for that is that they didn't know how to be whole in their character when they were younger. So when they get older, it just magnifies. It just gets bigger. It doesn't change. It just gets bigger. Uh, Jesus will change the actual fiber of your character. Now that's that is a remarkable thing, okay? That is because we live in a world that says, um, "Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy, man." Uh, my my favorite irritating statement is that even possible? The most irritating statement, top of the list of irritating statements, is when people say, "If it isn't hurting anyone, 
What's wrong with it? Let me tell you what's wrong with it. It tells me you devalue yourself because it might not be hurting someone else, but it is hurting you. And if it breaks you, you're going to have a problem because the Bible says that we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And if you keep breaking you, eventually you can't love your neighbor. Yes, it's hurting. It's hurting you. And that should matter. It should matter if it hurts you. If you say it doesn't hurt somebody else, and if it hurts me, that's okay. Then you have a self-image problem. <laughs> that's how it's hurting you. Uh, how are we doing with time? There's no load shedding, eh? There's no like a load shedding thing. Uh, so preach until tomorrow between two and four. Um, I told the story in the morning service. I'll close on this and I'll take you to a scripture. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I told, I told the story about uh, one of my pit bulls, right? Nguni. Well, he's a half a pit bull. And a half a, I don't know what. But he wags his tail so forcefully that he's now injured himself. He hits it so hard that the end bleeds. I'm not even joking. Like tomorrow he goes in and we're cutting like five centimeters from the end because the fur won't grow back and it's turned into a mess and I've laid hands and prayed for him and it just isn't working. His tail wags. Everything half a meter off the ground, blood streaks. I mean, I walked into the house and I thought, there has been a crime here. There's, it's on the glass and it's on... People visit me and it's on the jeans and it's everywhere. But he's happy. Just like you. Oh, but it makes me happy. But you're bleeding. It's breaking your heart. Well, oh, it's making me happy. No. You're leaving blood everywhere. On your family, on your finances, on your heart, on your soul. There you are, just happy, happy, bleeding everywhere. And other people have to clean up, you know, that blood. Live with that. We, we, we need Jesus. Uh, and we need him because he is the light of the world. And according to the Gospel of John, uh, the darkness can't comprehend it, so don't try and work him out. But the darkness can also not put him out. And even if you can't work him out, it's okay. Just remember that you can't put him out. Colossians chapter 2 is my final scripture. And that is on the screen somewhere. So if production's still awake there. Um, verse 14 says that Jesus, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and that he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross and having disarmed principalities and powers, uh, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. What the passage of Scripture says is that whatever was working against you or making things impossible for you, out of reach for you, whatever peace was missing or barrier was in, in your way, the cross dealt with it. There should be absolutely nothing in your way to living a fulfilled, abundant life. So how do I challenge you to stop thinking that nine out of 10 is okay when it comes to life? It might be okay for economics, but it's not okay for life. That nine out of 10 isn't okay for marriage. You can't be faithful for nine months of the year and unfaithful for one. It's not okay. 
No, because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. That's a 100% success rate. I just am unable as a Greek to say to live at 200%. Like it's just so cheesy. I can't deal. It just hurts my brain. But the devil has convinced us that the pass rate is just a bit more than your neighbor. And Jesus is telling us, life and life in all its fullness. Let's turn the light on. See how things work. Let me in. And then you'll live in all its fullness. Can you say amen to that? So I think we should pray. you mind standing with me? Let's, let's pray. I just want you to know that um, as we pray, a little miracle has happened tonight because I'm only one minute and 22 seconds over time. And I just personally am so fulfilled uh, in <laughs> hitting that marker. That's a nine out of 10, isn't it, Vince? I, I want to uh, take a moment to pray. And um, I, I just want to ask you to invite uh, Jesus to turn the light on. Um, and, to, and to please not fall, please don't fall for the trick of the devil. Don't let him move the furniture around. And then leave the light off. Like the Bible says, we're not unaware of the devil's schemes. You see, the good thing about having the light on is when the devil moves up, I see you. I can catch him before he can catch me. So I thought maybe uh, here's how we should pray. If you would close your eyes for a moment just to respect everybody's personal space. But if you are operating in some area in your life in darkness, in other words, you kind of just can't see where you're going, I would really like to pray for you. And especially if you have never let the light of the world be the light of your world, I really want to pray for that. And really let you invite him to come and be the brightest thing about you. <laughs> just turn it on. So, uh, that first request, if you're in an area of your life operating in secrecy or darkness and it's hurting, you keep hurting, I'd love to just invite the Lord to turn the light on in that space in your life. So I'm assuming you're a believer, but that in some area you've been operating in darkness and you need Him in there. Will you just raise your hand long enough for me to see it? Just an acknowledgement, Lord, I'm just going to need you to shine here in this area. It could be finance. It could be self-image. It could be relationship. It could be, there's lots of you. You know what it is. It's just a dark area in your life. It's a dark cloud and the light needs to come on. Thank you. I'm definitely going to pray for you in a moment. And then the second request was, um, you've seen the light from afar. Um, but I don't think you, you, you can't say you're like in the light, you know, big difference that to see it from afar, but to be in the light. And I'm really just inviting you to let Jesus be the light of your world, like the center pivotal point from which everything else gets its perspective and its visibility. And if that's where you're at, I mean, this is a brave thing. And in online, you're welcome to like, um, say, I put my hand up just in top as a comment. But if that's where you're at, we just say, like, I'd, I'd like to pray a prayer about getting the light on in my soul. My soul has been dark, and I want Jesus the center of my life, the light of my world. Would you raise your hand long enough also for me to see it? I won't embarrass you or bring you forward or do anything like that. Just pray a prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. 
Thank you. A whole bunch of you. So here's what I'll do. First, I'll pray a prayer for all of us who have an error of darkness that the light would come on. And then, and then secondly, I'll pray a prayer that I'm going to invite you to repeat in your own heart. Like just mumble to yourself, if you will, but do it with faith and make that commitment. And if you, by the way, have prayed prayers like this recently or uh, you do it tonight and you're kind of figuring out your next steps, that's literally exactly what Alpha is for. You come for 10 weeks, you get the story from A to, to Z. So Lord, I, I pray that the light of the world will become the light of our world, our personal lives. I pray, Lord, that you'll come into areas where there's been darkness and shine the light and, and the darkness flees from it. Thank you for the power of the darkness fleeing at the very presence of light. Light immediately expels darkness and our focus is on light. Will you please help us live in the light and, and, and not fall uh, prey to the devil's plot? And will you help us to be healed and not to hurt because we keep wandering around in the dark and bumping into things? And then uh, um, secondly, for, for those of you who are praying this prayer of invitation, here we go. Lord Jesus, will you please come into my life and make everything work right. Will you please forgive me for ignoring you and trying to find joy and, and peace my own way. Will you please forgive me for being my own God and thinking I can hold it all together. Will you please instead take the reins, the wheel of my life and be, and be the CEO, be the best friend, be the, the pivotal point, the, the Lord and Master. And will you help me to figure out what you sound like and, and hear your voice and follow after it? And teach me the absolute joy of living in the light. And Lord, will you teach us all that 9 out of 10 isn't what you had in mind. That's not what you had in mind. You had life and life in all its fullness. 10 out of 10. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise and worship, everybody?